chapter 28, book of Matthew chapter 28, and we'll begin reading in verse 18. And as you turn there, our core kids are dismissed. Book of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. When you got it, say so. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the name that is above all names. We thank you because we reside and rest under that banner. You are glorious and wonderful, and we humble our hearts before you, Master and King. We thank you, Lord God, today because we are reminded of the authority that you have, the reign that you have, the rule that you have. And so we submit to you, Lord God, praying that you would speak to us this morning, praying that you would reveal yourself unto us in a deeper way, that you would draw us, Lord God, deeper in our devotion and commitment to you, that we would not just hear what you are saying to your church, but that we would do what you are saying to your church, Lord God. We want you to be glorified in all things, Lord. And so we pray this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen, amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Just raise it, hold it up. If you don't have an outline, want to make sure everybody gets an outline this, um, this morning. I want to be sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon. There's some good questions in there for you to answer. Um, what do you think the Lord is speaking to you? How are you going to apply it? You can follow along. You can take notes. And then the last reason is what I'm going to be speaking about throughout the entire sermon, and that is us making disciples, that we would be helpful in helping others grow in their faith in Jesus. And so just keep your hand up. The ushers will make sure you get an outline there. And also, if you are following along in the Bible reading challenge, today is day 57 of the Bible reading challenge, and we are in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16 through 18. So make sure that you are reading, make sure that you're in the scriptures, make sure that you are, you know, continuing to stay steadfast. If you need to catch up, catch up, but don't give up. Amen? All right. And so we are here, and, I, and, and you'll notice that we are not in the book of Hebrews today. We're going to continue in the book of Hebrews in a couple of weeks. Um, next week we have a guest with us, and so we'll talk a little bit about, about that more um, later. But I highly encourage you to put it on your calendar to be here um, next Saturday and Sunday if you have not already done so. It's going to be an amazing time in the Lord. I don't want you to miss it. It's going to be a time of equipping, a time of encouragement, a time for us to be challenged. And so you want to do it. And I usually never tell you to stay for both services, but I will encourage you 
encourage you to do that because the sermon that will be preached in both service will be different. So there'll be one sermon preached at the 9 a.m. service and there'll be another sermon preached in the 11 o'clock service. So, you know, just go ahead and, you know, take a seat, bring a, bring a, bring a breakfast or a lunch or something like that, and that way you can eat something in between and you'll be able to experience both of those. Um, we will not be recording any of those sermons, so you got to be here to catch them live. Um, so like I said, we are here and we are, we are taking a break this week from the, the book of Hebrews and you'll see why in a moment. But one of the buzzwords, if you look at your outline here, one of the buzzwords around the church over the last decade or so has been the word mission. It's not typically speaking of overseas missions work, but the everyday life of a disciple of Jesus. And so you've heard of missional churches. We need to be missional. You need to be on mission as a Christian. If you've been around the church in any way, uh, or any way, shape, or form, you've heard that word utilized. And the second thing here that I want you to realize is the issue with buzzwords, the second paragraph, is that they become a cliche that typically loses their significance relatively quick because they become overused, underexplained, and worse of all, minimally implemented. And so what happens is you hear this word mission and you need to be on mission and you need to be missional Christians and all of this, but, you know, typically we don't really explain it, right, the way that it needs to be explained. And so, we, we, but the big issue is that it's overused. And so because it becomes cliche, it's something that's used all the time and people start hearing this and it, it just becomes one of those things that's a Christianese, you know, it's just something that we hear, and we really don't, it's not, it doesn't have a big significance in our hearts. And so what do we mean by mission? When the Bible calls us to be on mission, when the Bible is speaking to us, what does that mean? Uh, I was in a, on, a, on a pastor's panel, and on that pastor's panel, they were, they were asking questions for us to answer for the guys It was in the Forge Bible study that I go to. And one of the questions that they asked was, what do you think are the felt needs of your people in your church compared to their actual needs? In other words, what things do you think that people feel they need that they really don't need that could be getting in the way of their Christianity? And as I thought about that question, you know, I, I didn't want to just speak what I think that people think they need. But the one thing that I realized in the church today is that the church wants to, by and large, be significant. How many of y'all want to be significant? You want to be significant, right, in your life? I mean, I would hope so. I want to be significant at minimum in my children's lives, right? I want to be significant in somebody's life. But the truth is that we want to be significant as a church, especially in the days in which we live, because if you look at the statistics, the church in the United States of America is not growing, it's not, it's not overflowing, it's diminishing. There's less people that are professing faith in Jesus, there's less people that are seeking the Lord. Those are scary statistics, right? I mean, when you think about that, and so we want to have significance. So all of a sudden, when we start thinking about how are we going to be significant, we start thinking about ways that we can be on mission. And we start thinking about things that we can do, like we can feed, you know, those who are hungry. We can clothe those who are naked. We can take care of the homeless. And are any of those things bad? Say no, please. All of those things are good, right? All of those things are good. But is that the mission that Jesus sent his disciples on? Do you notice, do, do you notice in these last words? Now, how many of y'all know last words are important? How many of y'all know that, right? Right. Like when someone speaks last words, like on your deathbed, I promise you, you're not going to be talking about the paint colors on the wall. Hello. Right? Like, like when you are coming to the end of your days, the words that you're thinking or the, or the things that you're thinking about saying to those around you that you love are going to be words of significance. And at the end of Jesus' days on this earth, because obviously he is seated in glory as we sang today, right? But the truth of the matter is that his last words on earth, right, they dealt with this. 
And he tells his disciples about this mission. In your Bible, some of your Bibles have subtoppings over certain scriptures. And this is known as the Great Commission. Right? This is the Great Commission. And so what does it mean to be on mission? It means to be doing what Jesus has called us to do. And the last part about buzzwords is that they become minimally implemented. You hear them so much, and you hear people talk about them, and then you do not do anything. You're not, you're not applying them the way that we're supposed to be applying them. And so last paragraph here, Jesus' last words to his disciples were about the missional life all disciples were to live by faith. Understand that. It was about the missional life that all disciples were to live by faith. As we take a break from Hebrews 11 today, it is only to reinforce the reality that each, sorry, <clears throat> that, each, that each of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 always had two things in common. They lived on mission and it was by faith. Those are the two things that we see. The reason why, as I was praying and as I was seeking the Lord about this sermon today, you know, I don't just go and say, well, hey, you know, I, I do what, what I do typically is at the end of each year, I plan the preaching calendar for the next year. And so I sit down and I'm praying through this and I'm thinking through, okay, God, where do you want me to go? And so I have all of these scriptures lined up and I send them to the pastors that may be preaching one of these sermons or whatever the case is. But what, what, one thing that I want you to know is that you don't have a pastor that just says autopilot and I'm like, I'm automatically just going to preach from that particular scripture because I have a relationship with Jesus and he can't cares about you. Are you here? And he wants to make sure that you're not just falling asleep like I can't wait till we finish Hebrews 11. Mm -hmm. I know that's how some of y'all do it. You know, you're, you're excited like week one, two, three, and four. And then after that, you're like, oh my goodness. When we went through the book of John, people were like, I can't wait to get out of the gospel of John. I'm like, seriously? Are you ready? But anyway, none, none, we went through that for a whole year. But I, I mean, I really don't, that stuff doesn't bother me. You know, people get tired of that. But what I know is this, is that when we're looking at the lives of those people in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, these are people that we should be imitating their faith. These are people whose lives we should be looking at and saying, wait a second, this guy by the name of Abraham, he was on mission in his life. He was living by faith in God in the mission that God had put before him. There was no question about it. That's what he was doing. And so this morning what we want to talk about is living, by, or living faith on mission. And so for us, that's a theme, that's a series that we're in, in the book of Hebrews is living faith. And so I want to talk to you about living faith on mission. Here's the big idea that I want you to get today. And, let, and I, I let this sink in. If you're writing it down, make sure you write this down. Making disciples is not, it's all caps there, N-O-T, is not an option for Christians, but the purpose of all Christians. Do you get that? It's not an option like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think disciple making is for me. No, 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 that's not an option for you. Are you here? Now, I, I want you to understand this because this is extremely important for us as a church and as a people because one, one thing, I heard one preacher say this before, but this, this scripture here that we're looking at is called the Great Commission, but for many Christians, it's the Great Omission. It's what we don't do. We're not engaged in the disciple-making process that God has called us into. And so for us, looking at what Jesus communicates, it's important that we grasp the reality that making disciples is not an option for Christians, but the purpose of all Christians. 
If you, are, if you are in this place and you call yourself a believer in Jesus, if you're in this place and you have put your faith in Christ, then making disciples is not optional for you. It's not something you can say, well, that's for the pastor to do or that's for the leaders to do or that's for somebody real spiritual to do. But I'm not that spiritual and I'm not a leader and I can't preach. I didn't ask you to preach. I didn't ask you to be super spiritual. I didn't ask you to be a leader in any way, shape, or form in the church. What I said is Jesus commands us all to make disciples. So that should call us all to lead in some capacity. That should call us all to grow in spirituality. It shouldn't be a pass to say, well, I'm not that spiritual, so I'm not going to be a disciple. No, no, no. If you're a disciple, this is what God has called us to do. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our efforts in discipleship are backed by the authority of Jesus. Our efforts in discipleship are backed by the authority that, in, of Jesus. So Jesus starts, look at verse 18 again. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus accomplished his earthly ministry. While he was, on, while he was in his earthly ministry, we know that the book of Philippians chapter 2 teaches us what? That, God, that, that Jesus divests himself of his authority and glory to some extent. And that way what? That way we can see him as the savior that he is so we can imitate him so we can follow his life he does that because he's not playing the superman clark Kent, clark kent thing in other words he's not really you know superman and just acting like he's like us are you here he is really being tempted. He is really having sin waved in front of his face. And he does this to do what? So he can be dependent upon the Spirit of God. So he can be dependent upon God's Spirit the same way that you and I have to be dependent upon the Spirit of God. But after Jesus accomplishes his earthly ministry, lives a sinless and perfect life, dies in our place for our sin, and rises again for our justification, showing what? That he is God, that he has condemned sin, that he has condemned death, and that he has been the solution for us. After he does that, he says what? He says, all authority has been given to me. All authority, not some authority, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. And so Jesus' emphasis on his authority should give us the confidence to engage in the mission of making disciples without fear of failure based upon our inabilities or perceived shortcomings. Are you here? Because immediately when you and I hear about making disciples, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, if we're just honest, right, thinking about that is kind of intimidating, right? You watch the way Jesus does it, and I'm expected to follow that. You watch the way his disciples did it, and I'm expected to follow that. Well, man, I'm not, again, I'm not spiritual enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And right away we jump to the place of fear and doubt rather than saying, hold on a second. It's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. It's by the power of God. And so look in your Bibles. Hold there really quickly. Look in your Bibles to the book of Acts. I want you to look at this because this, this, what, what you have to realize when you're reading the scriptures is that God, and you're going to go to Acts chapter 1, is that when God inspires the scriptures, he inspires them for our edification. And what he does is he will have one writer write one portion of a conversation and have another writer write another portion of the conversation. The reason he does this is because he wants you to get one thought through one guy and another thought through another. That's the reason why people start saying that the Bible contradicts itself. It doesn't contradict itself. It's like if you sit down, if we, if we sit down, like right now, everybody in this room, if everybody in this room, when you walk out of here, I want you to just try to do this. I want you to try to write down everything you thought you heard me say. And I, and I assure you, some of y'all are going to come out of here and be like, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't say none of that. But you're going to swear I said it. Just, it's just a reality. 
And then some of you are going to hold on to one thing that I said, and someone else is going to hold on to another thing that I said, because that's just the way that our minds work, and that's the way God works with all of us. And so what God does, he inspires four guys, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to write down Scripture so that way we can get the full picture. And so we know that the author of the book of Acts is who? It's Luke, right? So Luke is writing this down. So look at what he says here in Luke chapter 4, chapter 1, verse 4, I mean Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says this. It says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want you to realize that the same exhortation that Jesus is giving his disciples there is the same exhortation that we should hear today. And it is that we are called to make disciples not on our own power, not in our own ability. We make disciples in the authority and in the power of Jesus, and we make disciples also in the power of the Spirit of God. We cannot, listen to me when I say this, we cannot rightfully and fully make disciples in our own ability. Are you here? It's not by your wit. It's not by your wisdom. It's not by your will. It is by the power of the Spirit of God. Listen, if I can make disciples by myself, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Holy Spirit. If I can do it on my own, then I don't need God. And God wants to do something through us. He wants to use us to make disciples. That's what he wants to use us to do. The second thing that I want you to repeat after me is this. Say evangelism is the first half of discipleship. Evangelism is the first half of discipleship. Look at verse 19 in, 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 in Matthew chapter 28. It says this. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to look at real quick is, first of all, I want you to see it says make disciples. Say make disciples. Make disciples, right? Mathetes there, right? So make these, these learners, these students, right? That's what, that's what the mission, hear me when I say this. That is the mission of all of us who call ourselves Christians is to make disciples, learners, and followers of Jesus. That's our call. No question about it. But the next thing that I want you to realize is Jesus goes and he says, go ye therefore, right? Oh, I'm sorry. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go. Say go. So go sounds like what? It sounds like a word, you know, that you would hear in a track meet or something like that. It sounds like a word that you would hear. It's an action word. It's telling you to do something, right? And so I love that. The, the, the picture that it gives us is Jesus is running with the baton in his hand, and he's with his disciples, and he's saying, listen, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and I'm running. And then he's saying, now you go. Now you go. Now it's your turn to go. It's your turn to start running. It's your turn to start moving forward in this mission. That's what he's telling them there. But then when you look at the word in the Greek, what the word in the Greek actually means, it means as you go or where you go. 
And so I want you to think about this because what Jesus is saying is he is not telling you, and I want to pause for a moment because I firmly believe that some of you have a call in your life to go and, and be overseas missionaries for sure. You have a call in your life to leave the comforts of the United States of America and go somewhere and give yourself 100% to being a missionary, full-time, part-time, something like that. So that's for sure. But here's what I want you to know. That's not everybody in this room. Are you here? But this is what I want you to understand, is that every person in this room is called to be a missionary where you go. So where do you go? You go to work? How many of y'all go to work? Hello. How many of y'all go to school? Hello. Some of y'all go to school. All right. How many of y'all go to the mailbox? Bishop, I want to make disciples on the way to the mailbox. Well, I don't know. You may see your neighbor right there, and that is a person that you can go and speak to. Hello. All right. How many of y'all are going to go eat somewhere after you leave here? No, Bishop, we're fasting today. We're very holy. Yeah, right. You're going to leave here, and you're going to go, and you're going to go. You are always going. Are you here? And so Jesus says, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Say baptizing them. The reason why I say evangelism is the first half of, 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 of discipleship is because the first part of the command is go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Say all nations. So everywhere you go, all the, listen, we have all the nations here. Hello. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying like we are, we are here. All kinds of nations are around us. And so we are to be missionaries where we are. And then he says baptizing them. Say baptizing them. Who, who, is, who, who is it that we baptize? Do we baptize babies? Say no. Right? Why don't we baptize babies? Right? Just, just, you, don't have to, you don't have to answer me this, but I'm just going to tell you why we don't baptize babies. The reason we don't baptize babies is because a person who is going to be baptized is someone who should have already made a profession of faith in Jesus. Babies cannot do that. I'm just saying. And listen, I have great friends, Protestant friends. They're not, they're not Catholic. Protestant friends, pastors, they baptize babies, and you know what? We just, we just agree to disagree. Whatever. They can baptize them, and I wait till they're older, and I'll baptize them again and say, I don't know if that worked. <laughs> Nonetheless, okay, the reality is the people who are baptized are who? It is those who do not know Jesus and come to faith in Jesus. That's who we baptize. And so what he's saying is the first part for evangelism is what? Or the first part of discipleship is evangelism. It is sharing the gospel with those who do not know Jesus. Now let me say this. Real discipleship must become natural. It must become a way of life. That will only happen through the discipline of intentionality. Say intentionality. Listen, we have to become intentional. We have to become those who are intentional in sharing the gospel. We can't be those who just hope God sends an unsaved person in front of us. Hello. Are you here? We have to be those. I talk about this all the time. We have to have, I mean, who is it that is on your prayer list, right? Like you should have, you should have a prayer list. I mean, I would hope that you have a prayer list, even if it's not written down. Even if it's not written, it should, be, it should be a list of people that you know that you are praying for their salvation. If you're not, you need to really think about where you're at. Because you're around, listen to me, we are surrounded by unsaved people. We are surrounded by people who don't know Christ. And if you don't care about them, half the question, do you really know Jesus? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even talking about have you spoken to them about Jesus. I'm just talking about if you don't care about them. You, you understand hell is a real place, right? You understand that hell is eternal. That once someone breathes their last breath on this earth, they're either going to an eternity with God or an eternity apart from God. We as Christians should care about that. 
Because here's the thing, we have the lifeboat. We have the solution in Jesus. We have the gospel, right? And so we, we, we have to be intentional, and we start off by praying. We have our list of people that we pray for. But then you know what? There's another person you need to add to your list, and that is the person who you have yet to meet that doesn't know Jesus. The person who you will bump into today who doesn't know Jesus. When you go to that place, wherever you go, wherever it is, that you see someone who doesn't know Christ. You know, I shared this with in the first service, and, you know, I've done this. And this is a real easy way when you go to a restaurant. All of you are going to restaurants today. I'm going to challenge you to do this today. When you go to that restaurant today and you sit down in that restaurant and you're, and you're there getting ready to have this amazing meal. And I know you all are holy people, so you pray before every meal that you eat together. Amen. And so... But here's my challenge for you. When that waiter or when that waitress is there, come to your table. First of all, don't ignore them and act like there's some servant that just hovers around you, okay? That's the first thing, okay? Like engage them. Like, how are you doing today? Ask them how they're doing. Be nice. Amen. What a concept. Even if they're giving you bad service, be nice. Be extra nice to that one, okay? And then what I'm going to challenge you to do, I've done this before. I don't do this every single time that I go out. But, but here's the thing. When they come and they bring you your food, even if it took a long time to get there and you're mad, I'm giving you all the bad scenarios here because you're going to be mad. You're going to be in the flesh. You're going to be like, they get no tip. You're talking about that. Just That's the devil, all right? That is the devil. Listen to me. Here's what you need to do. When they bring you that food and they, out, you know, they always ask, can I bring you anything else? You need to tell them to pause. Yes, one second. We're about to pray for this food. Is there any way that I can pray for you? First of all, I may shock them to death, right? There have been some people that have kind of stood pause, you know, when I've done this, and they kind of look at me like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, and they don't even know what to pray. I had one guy, he had, his, he had his little book, and he was like, yeah, can you pray for my daughter, please? I was like, amen, I'll pray for your daughter. Listen, the point is, it's a way to start thinking outside of the box. It's a way for you to start thinking outside of your norm, you know, and just what you're doing for that person because you don't know what that conversation can do. That person that you're asking to pray for, they may be walking around with a smile on their face. They may be broken inside. They may be a person that God sat you down at their table so you can lead them to Jesus. Listen, when you walk out of here, there's also something. There's some You Matter cards. There's some invitation cards out there. Take some with you. If you're too, if you're, listen, I'm going to say it like this, and you're going to be offended, and it's okay. If you're too cowardly to ask them to pray for them, if you're too cowardly to share with them, listen, take a card and give them an invitation card. But please do me a favor. Give them a good tip. Listen, don't, 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 don't be going and saying, you know, you matter, and then you gave them like some whack tip. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I really matter. Hello. I'm definitely not going to that church. Listen, the church's name is on that thing. Don't be giving them stuff with some whack tip, and make sure that your attitude is right when you're dealing with them, okay? At the end of the day, it is important for us that we are intentional about the people that don't know Jesus. If we're, listen, if we are not reaching out to those that are lost with the gospel, we are not being faithful in our call to make disciples. Are you here? Uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me read that again. If we are not reaching out to the lost with the gospel, we are not being faithful in our call to make disciples. This is no guilt. This is just the truth. Here's what I want you to understand. We have to make two decisions here. The one decision is we have to decide, is this really God's word? That's the first question we have to ask ourselves. Is this really God's word? If you have the right Bible, these, are letters, these letters are in red, okay? So not only is it God's word, but it is Jesus' articulation. Jesus is communicating his last words to his disciples, and this is for sure the word of God. And so, okay, you decided, I think we decided together, this is God's word, amen? amen. So if this is God's word, here's the second thing you have to decide. Are you going to obey? 
You have to ask yourself that question. If this is God's word, then I need to ask myself a question. Am I going to obey God's word or am I going to pick and choose what I want to obey? Listen, evangelism is part of it. I didn't, listen, I didn't say you got to go and stand on, on a box on a corner somewhere with a, bull, with, with a bullhorn. You can do that if you like. That, I'm, I'm not telling you you have to do that. What I'm not telling you that you got to go and knock on someone's door that you don't. I'm not telling you you got to do that. What I am telling you is what Jesus said. Go ye therefore. As you go, make sure that you're making disciples. The third, the, 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 the third thing I'm going to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say edification, edification. is the second, half the second half of discipleship. Edification is the second half of discipleship. So the first part of discipleship we see in verse 19. The second one, look at verse 20. It says this, teaching them to observe all things. Say all things. That I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I just want to throw this in here real quick. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Jesus right now is giving them a command. So this right here is under the umbrella of all things. Jesus instructed his disciples, commanded his disciples to go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. That's what he says to his disciples. He communicates to them, and he lets them know, listen, this is what I'm commanding you. And so the first part of evangelism is, is or the first part of discipleship is evangelism. The second half of discipleship is Edification. And I will say this, we, we do a, a terrible job of marrying these two. And what I mean by that is that there are some people in the church, they are wholeheartedly committed to the edification. In other words, they're all about this Bible study. They're all about getting together, all about learning more things about Jesus. They're all about sharing in the house with each other or among believers, but they don't care about evangelism. They don't, they, they don't really, they're not really concerned about the loss. And then there's the other side of the token, the ones that are really concerned, that really care about, that are really all about, you know, the evangelism and reaching those who don't know Jesus and sharing the gospel and making sure they do everything they can, but they're not as concerned about edifying the church. And listen, we have to have both. Because I want you to know something. Any issue that we have in the church, it is because of a lack of discipleship. Not a lack of evangelism or a lack of edification, the lack of them both together. Any issue we have in the church, you want to talk about immaturity in the church? It's because we lack discipleship. You want to talk about lack in finance in the church? It's because of a lack of discipleship. You want to talk about divorce in the church? It's because a lack of discipleship. You want to talk about rebellious children and all that kind of thing? It's because of a lack of discipleship. That's just a reality. You want to talk about people sleeping together that are not married. I don't mean laying in a bed next to each other. You know what I'm talking about. It's a lack of discipleship because there is no accountability. See, because here's the thing. As, 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 our, as our leaders have, have been getting together, you know, we're trying to grow in the areas of discipleship. And as we're growing in the areas of discipleship, one of the books that um, one of my mentors gave me is a book called Building a Discipling Culture. And in this book, Building a Discipling Culture, it has to be probably one of the most challenging books that I've read on the topic of discipleship. Because it is in your face and it's talking to you, listen, man, we are not making disciples the way that we need to be making disciples. You know, the one, I love one of the quotes in the book, and it's that, you know, if you set out to build the church, you don't always get disciples. But if you set out to make disciples, you always get the church. Are you here? And the issue with us in our days is that we go to all kind of church building conferences. We learn how to build the church, make the church this, make the church that. We don't talk about discipleship, about making disciples. And let me tell you, there's three ways that we learn, right? The way that sociologists have said that we learn in three different ways. So we learn by instruction, right? We learn by this, this classroom type setting. And then the other one is what? We learn by, by, by apprenticeship, you know, going side by side with someone, then, you know, showing you how to apply the things you learn. And then the last way that we learn is through immersion, 
And, and the best example I can give you of this is that if you want to learn a language, right, then you know what you do? You can go ahead and get Rosetta Stone or something like that. You can learn whatever language it is you want. You can, you know, get some lessons in school on that language. But, you know, for me, it's like my, myself. My first language is not Spanish. And so when I try, try to speak Spanish around people that are fluent in Spanish, what happens is I am constantly being corrected. Hello. They're apprenticing me, amen, you know? They're, they're showing me, nah, that verb doesn't go, that conjugation wasn't right. My wife laughs at me all the time because I just make up words. I don't just make up words on Sundays. I make up words all the time. Especially in Spanish, I make up words. It's crazy. But anyway, because they all sound good, you know. And, and, anyway, but, 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 but here's the thing. But if I really want to get good at Spanish, you know what I got to do? I need to immerse myself in a place where all they do is speak Spanish. And then what is going to happen is I'm going to come back to y'all that are correcting me. I'm going to be like, no, 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 y'all are wrong. Because y'all know what y'all are talking about because y'all weren't immersed in this thing like I just was. And so ultimately, it is the same thing with Jesus. How did Jesus make disciples? Well, Jesus did instruction for sure, did he not? Jesus, uh, he, he obviously apprenticed, you know, his guys. He showed them how to, you know, he sent out the 70 and they came back and he was like, this is how you do this. You know, they couldn't cast out a demon. He was like, some of these things don't come out but fasting and prayer. He was apprenticing them and showing them. But then the other part was he said what? He said, he said follow me. And then he said something else. He said, come be with me. It's immersion. And can I tell you what, what, what the big issue with the church is today? This, this is the church in America. This is how we disciple. Right here. Right here. You come to church or you come to a small group, you hear what is being communicated, and then we leave it right there. And you apply it if you want to. That doesn't happen if you're immersed in my life and I'm immersed in your life. Because if I'm sitting up here preaching about making disciples and I come and say, hey, man, do you have a prayer list? And you're like, nah. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you, are, are you reaching somebody with the gospel? I mean, what are you doing? Are, are you helping someone grow in their faith? I mean, what are you doing? Right? It's different. But it's, it's, see, this is real comfortable Christianity right here. This is problematic Christianity, though. Because we are not really making disciples the way that Jesus has called us to make disciples, the way that he imitates making disciples. We're not doing it. And so we wonder why we have the issues. It's because we have this lack of discipleship. And so ultimately, my, my, my biggest thing that I want you to understand is this, is that biblical discipleship precedes biblical disciples. Biblical discipleship precedes biblical, b- biblical discipleship precedes biblical disciples. And so if, if, if we want to see biblical disciples, then we have to make a commitment to doing what? To discipling in a biblical way. That means we have to have instruction. We have to have the apprenticing. We have to have the immersion. That, that we, have to, we have to have those things. Because if we don't have those things, then guess what? We're going to continue to come up short when, it's, when, it, when it deals with the maturity of us being disciples the way that God has called us to live. And so here's, here, here's what I want you, to, want you to think about. How are you growing as a biblical disciple. I want you to think about that. How are you growing as a biblical disciple? Are you, are, are you growing the way that you should be? Are you growing the way that God has called us to? Are you being the disciple that God has called you to be? Are you making disciples the way that God has called you to make disciples? And so the ushers have a handout for you because the church desperately, desperately needs to return to the model of Jesus in our discipleship efforts. Discipleship is about what? Being a learner of Jesus, not just principles or concepts, but their implication and application to our lives and us living them out. So it's vitally important that we are committed to this. And so every message that is preached requires a response. If you look at the front of the pulpit right here, truth requires a response. What you are hearing from this pulpit every Sunday when I get up here and preach is you are hearing the truth. You're not hearing my opinions, right? I'm going to put my opinion in there, but my opinion is going to be supported by the Scripture, not the other way around. Are you here? 
And so the truth requires a response. So with every sermon, we require a response. But here's what I want you to understand. We have these response cards, and I want everybody, everybody's going to get one of these response cards. And we're going to look at these response. You guys can start handing them out. And we're going to look at these response cards together. Because what I want to see is I want to see where we're at. How are we going to respond? Jesus does something. Jesus tells the crowds to follow him. He calls them to follow him and is literally and tangibly people get up and start following him. If you read the gospels, that's what happened. He tells these guys that were on their father's boat, come follow me. What do they do? They drop their dad's nets. They started following Jesus. People were, you know, doing things and they literally stopped and followed Jesus. And so what is this card? This card is a call for us to follow Christ. It's our call as leaders for you to follow Jesus. And so what, what, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these commitments together on this card. And I want everybody, everybody in the room, unless you're a first-time guest. If you're a first-time guest, I, don't, I do not expect you to fill this out and put this in there unless... Unless you feel like this is the place that you want to be and you want to grow as a disciple here. But if you are, but if you are not a first-time guest, then I need everyone who is here who calls this church their home to fill this out because it's very important to me. So there's a few commitments there. The first one that we have on the top, the first one is this. I am committed to being a biblical disciple of Jesus. You should all check that box. Amen. All right? Everybody should check that box because you should be committed to that. Listen, if you're not committed to Jesus, you can commit to him by putting your faith and trust in him. You can start. That's your next step is to start walking with him. But if, you're, if, if you know Jesus, then you, can, then, then you should be committed to that. The second thing, that, the second commitment there is that I want to grow in my faith and help others grow in their faith. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you should check that box, right? That, that's something that should happen for you. So everybody got to fill this out because I'm going to be looking for you. Listen, and if I don't get one of these cards with your name on it, I'm coming after you. I'm letting you know. Listen, so don't, 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 don't waste time. I'm serious. I want everybody in here to fill this out. Make sure you're filling these out because everybody, everybody in this building, I said this already, discipleship is not optional. This is not just for the person next to you. This is for you. Are you here? Y'all, y'all make sure, y'all make sure Ozzy gets one, all right? Ozzy, Ozzy don't have a, have a card over here. He needs to fill his out. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. I'm bothering you. Man. I need two cards from you, man. I'm just kidding. Listen, the third one here. I'm committed to being, to being discipled for at least six months with the intent of learning how to disciple another and will do so by faith. Now listen, some of you, you've been in church a long time, you do not need to mark that box because you need to be doing the next box. But here's what I'm saying. If you are in here and you're a new believer, if you are in here and you, and, and you, and you do not know how to make a disciple of Jesus, then you know what? You can check that box. We're going to hook you up. I'm going to give you some grace on that. But here's the thing. For some of you, you need, to be, you, you need to be in this on the next one. The next one is, I commit to making disciples by reaching the lost and leading a group of three to four people for a minimum of six months. And so here's what I want you to know, that if you are a mature Christian in here, that needs to be the box that you are checking right there. That needs to be the box you're saying, look, man, I, I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I want to help someone grow in their faith. I want to help someone know Jesus better. And, and you know what? I'm going to commit to praying for those that don't know Christ. I'm going to commit to ministering to them. And then the last box there is this. I do not wish to grow as a disciple of Jesus or help others grow in their faith. Please check that one so I will know you're a heathen. Amen. <laughs> if you check that box, we're going to have some counseling session together because there's something wrong with you. I'm just kidding. Listen. Ultimately, if you want to check that box and you're letting me know, Bishop, I really don't believe in this discipleship stuff. I really don't believe that I have to be a disciple maker, right? 
And so I know you don't believe that, right? So don't, I mean, if you want to check that box, you want to have a conversation, we can talk about that. And listen, we're, getting, we're collecting information right now. We're going to give you the foots, you know, the, the steps behind all of this. I just need to know where your heart is. I need to know if you are ready to make disciples or you need to be made a disciple. I need to know which one you're at because everybody in here needs to be on one track or the other so we can help others grow in their faith. Amen? All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. Pastor Chad's going to come up here. I'm going to pray as he's on his way. And we're going to grow as disciples of Jesus. And so what you're going to do with this, since you're filling this out right now, you're going to drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by. All right? So along with your offering, along with that million-dollar check, you're dropping in there. Amen? Along with that, you can drop this, you know, you can drop this in there right next to it. Show your, your high levels of commitment. Glory to God. All right. Let's pray together. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Father, I thank you so very much for each of my brothers and sisters in this place today. I thank you because I know that you are at work in our hearts. I thank you, God, because I know that you are calling us to a higher place and I'll walk with you as individuals and I'll walk with you collectively as your church. I know that you're calling us to serve you, Lord, faithfully. And so today, Lord, I pray that your spirit would give us a great conviction that you would give us great boldness, that you would give us great courage to be disciples and disciple makers, Lord God. Father, I pray against all the plans of the enemy against my brothers and sisters that I would try to hinder them from being the disciples you've called them to be, Lord God. Let us grow in our faith and let us help others grow in their faith or come to the knowledge of who you are, God. Use us for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Everyone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy. Good afternoon, church. This is the portion of our...